<laughs> nice try. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> everybody and welcome to another edition we have here beyond the cover i am one of your hosts john robb joined here by my very special talented and attractive and wonderful co-host jeff Ayers. jeff how you doing doing great uh, how you doing i'm doing pretty good we got a great show for you tonight we got an hour of two fabulous authors we're going to start off with julie heisey first and then we're going to hit jeff abbott in the second half of the show um, and I want to remind everybody, of course, that all of our shows are brought to you by Kensington Books, so please make sure you visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information on their stuff. Also, Suspense Magazine, and visit suspensemagazine.com for more information on the shit we do. Um, so, it's been good, Jeff. We've, you had a good week. Um, we're going to change a little schedule, though. What's the schedule change? Because we're, we're going to be here next week, right? But then we're off correct. until, like, November 13th. Yes, and uh, November 13th, we've got John Land on talking about being Jessica Fletcher. Right, so we got an hour murder she wrote November 13th, and then next week is Kevin O'Brien. And is he the hour, or is he just half hour? He's got to be an hour. Um, we have another author who is not uh, verified yet. If we can get him, it would be amazing. So keep okay. your fingers crossed. That's all I can say. Okay, and if not, then we got Kevin for half hour or for the hour. So that'll be good. Either way, Correct. it's going to be a great show, because he's either Kevin Absolutely. for an hour or Kevin for a half hour, an amazing guest, and then that's it. Okay, so without any further ado, let's bring on um, our first guest of the night. So, again, she is the author of the latest book. It's called Virtual Sabotage, and we want to welcome Julie to come to the show. So, Julie, thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing? Well, th- very well. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me here. So glad you're available. Thank you. Yes, appreciate it so much. And we we love to try to get in here to your latest book. And, again, it's called Virtual Sabotage, Mm -hmm. and the book is to set release on October 23rd. So if you've not – you can pre-order it. If you want to go pre-order, you can pre-order it now. Or you can kind of set yourself a little reminder and buy it October 23rd. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, um, paperback, Kindle. It's only $5.99. That's a good price. Yeah, it is. I was really happy about that. Yeah, because I see a lot of those coming in. $12.99, $11.99. Twelve ninety nine, eleven ninety nine. It's a little yeah, high, I, I think, thrilled. for a Kindle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But five ninety nine is a really good price to come in. So, why don't we just kick it right off and tell us what you got going on? All right, sounds great. Um, well, it's a techno thriller, and this is not something I've done in novel length form before. I am beyond excited because uh, even though I'm sort of a little bit known for the White House Chef and the Manor House mysteries, which are more you know, traditional slash cozy the streets. This is new. It's 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 new for my readers. It's not new for me. I've been writing a little dark forever, but this is my first novel length techno thriller, and I am thrilled to to go back to my dark side. <laughs> that's it. That's that's basically it. I'm now going to be writing on spec instead of having a contract. And although I loved having a contract, it was always so great. And I adored working for Penguin Random House with Berkeley, Berkeley Prime Crime. They were great, and they would have continued both series. This is, this is like, you know, flying without a net. I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. Nice. Nice. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Taking a little bungee cord jump <laughs> a without a bungee cord. Too, but cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, what is virtual sabotage about? 
sabotage is very near future. You know those uh, those cool virtual reality goggles that you can play with and have fun with? It's taking that a little bit farther, just a little deeper. And what happens if somebody decides to exploit people's dependence on convenience and entertainment? And I envision these, the, the virtual reality in my book, um, which is called uh, Virtue Tech is the Big Company. It's kind of like a, a mixture. Have you guys ever read the Ray Bradbury short story, The Velt? Oh, absolutely. I oh, love that yes. one. Illustrated oh my man. Oh, since I was a kid, that one just haunted me. Well, it's sort of that idea, and then, you know, I grow up, and, oh, woo, Star Trek has these holodecks? Like, cool. <laughs> so it's it's like taking... A holodeck, but you know we can't have holodecks now. They don't. They don't. We don't have anything that sophisticated. But what if we had these goggles, and and they're pretty sophisticated goggles that connect directly to your brain? Then your brain can produce anything you want, and and you as a human could react to it because you perceive it's real, even though it isn't. So that that's kind of so that's my technology, and all you know, and and. Uh, I'm not going to say hilarity ensues. It does not. Uh, and um, bad things ensue. That's so cool. <laughs> it's, yeah, um, um, so it's been a lot of fun. That's neat. Well, since um, he d- John doesn't know this, but um, I've interviewed you before. <laughs> and um, I wanted to say thank you again for having – it was a great interview for my book. But – uh, could you talk a bit about how you got your start writing Star Trek, and why oh, did you jump? Absolutely. absolutely. Why did you jump from sci-fi? Uh, I'm sorry. What'd you say? Why did you jump from sci-fi to uh, the mystery thriller genre? Honestly, what, what happened <laughs> was is uh, after I wrote the Star Trek short stories, which was just they, they, those were my first three professional sales ever, and it just made me believe I could I could do this. I started writing um, mysteries a bit. I really always liked a little bit of techno in there. But um, uh, a gentleman by the name of Marty Greenberg, who has since passed away, uh, called me up and said, hey, uh, we're, we're thinking that we have a, this, White House, this uh, chef in the White House now because uh, Laura Bush um, uh, promoted Christetta Comerford. We have a White House chef. What would you think about writing an amateur sleuth mystery series featuring a White House chef? I'm like, oh my God, this is genius! I, you know, you, I could just, I could just feel the hook, and everybody was going to love this. And I thought, this is great. So um, I said, oh, absolutely, I do it. And then, and that's when I found out that I was actually just auditioning for it. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then I submitted and submitted, and and uh, and, and they liked what they saw. So I got to write the White House Chef Mystery Series. Now, I don't own that copyright. They did, but I I was able to put my name on the books, which was pretty darn awesome and and kind of unheard of, but that's cool. And and, and the series took off. So I was writing cozy mysteries, even though that was not ever something I set out to do. And when they first asked me about writing about a chef in the White House, I kind of forgot that chef part. And I I was writing about... (laughs) Oh, you know, she does this and she does this and you know, she whacks this person and she, you know, there's a subterfuge and there's conspiracy and uh, they're like, yeah, no, she's 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 the chef, remember? It's like, oh, okay, so I had to tone it down a bit, and that's when I really and when they said State of the Onion is the first one's title, it's like, 
I get it now. So then <laughs> I, I did tone it down just a little bit. So that that's why it was it was it was an opportunity that I was not going to let pass by. That's awesome. That's a long answer, but there you go. <laughs> no, it's good. That's good. <laughs> did we lose but, John? Yeah. Hello. I think we did lose John. Oh, oh no, oh no. No, we didn't <laughs> lose John. John oh, was no. accidentally oh, muted. John was accidentally oh. muted because John was typing. I was trying to, I was, I was trying to type as I do. Uh, I was going to post putting stuff out on Twitter, so I do apologize for that. Oh, no, 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 that's fine. <laughs> but we love long shame, answers. Shame. We love long answers because if you don't give long answers, we got to give long answers, and that's just not what people want to hear. <laughs> yeah, oh, they God. don't want to hear us for sure. Yeah. Hell no. So that was so. that was how it that's how it all came to be. And then um with Berkeley, who I said they they were just so great. They said, "Hey, we would we I actually presented a pretty hard-edged novel to them and said, "What do you think?" And they said, mm, "How about another cozy instead?" So I came up with a second series. And so I ran both series for a while. And I have 9 in one and 8 in the other, and I and I walked away from both of them. Uh but uh, oh. but they were, they were both a lot of fun to write. But I but I've been itching to get back to my uh, my roots for a little while. Well, so you're talking about Manor House Mysteries, right. the other series, right? Okay. Right. Um, so I have to ask, you got all this without an agent. <laughs> when did you finally get an agent? And is I your thought... agent agreeing to this now that you're walking away from these? <laughs> uh, well, what happened was is um, I was having trouble. Uh, I did get an agent when I had that that grittier novel. I I said, you know, w- would you try sending this around? And she wound up sending it to Berkeley, and um, it, and she and I were not a good fit. But um, they did the, their agency did get the Manor House series started for me uh, through Berkeley, but uh, but the books from the White House Chef series was not through an agent. It was through Marty Greenberg. Who owned, right. at that point owned uh, Techno Books, which you've probably heard of. They've, they're, they've got, the, they had their hands in everything. But um, and Marty Greenberg is just, he was just such a, uh, a, a big, a big name in the publishing world. But anyway, uh, the um, agent got me through uh, my first six of the Grace slash uh, Manor House books, and then we parted ways. And so I don't have an agent right now, and I'm okay with that. Uh, for now, for now, there may be, there may come a time when I, I would like to look for an agent again. But right now, it's, it's a whole new world out there. This publishing world, yes, like, it things is. have changed Got so that right much. More than one way. Yeah, I, I, I mean, when world. I started submitting, it was self-addressed stamped envelopes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah publishing quite has a bit. taken a serious, like, weird turn in the past seven years. I think. Oh yes. It. Any advice we would have given anyone seven to ten years ago would be like terrible advice now so it's um yeah it's it's a whole new world and we can we can sort of chart our own courses but it's it's also a little bit more difficult in many ways too so ah trade-offs right yeah yeah Yeah. no no so when you were deciding okay you know this was a book that you kind of needed to write and that you kind of needed to get out you know like you Mm -hmm. said you know you're very excited virtual technology and everything else was it the characters? Was it the subject? What was like the chicken or the egg? Like which kind of came first kind of in your mind and then, you know, you kind of wrap the, either the plot or the characters kind of around that idea? 
I would have to say that in this particular case, the technology was the thing that, that pushed me into it. And, and I had a first draft of this kind of a long time ago, well well before Oculus Rift and and it hadn't become mainstream. People hadn't really heard about the virtual reality goggles. It was it was truly the Velt and Holodex. I was just trying to figure out a way to make it work with with you know people's own heads, and 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 that was that was what got me started. And I just started with a character, and I thought, okay, what do I do? And I pushed it forward, and it, and it was one of those I didn't plot it much ahead of time. I had some basic ideas of where I was going with it. But it, it it sort of just grew f- from there. And the first draft, I got to tell you, was pretty bad. <laughs> it was uh, pretty bad. It, I got the ideas out there, but I'd like to I'd like to say that I tell myself the story as I'm writing and and that was pretty much it. I was t- I was telling myself the story. And the end was was positively horrendous it was really bad um and so i just shelved it for a while and then um this opportunity to work with Colexia press jamie frevoletti's uh new imprint um came up and i thought you know what i think i think the time is right for this book so i reread it and i rewrote it and i still hated the ending even though i rewrote that again too and i handed it to my husband you, you know those people I'm not one of them. I just watch a show and I just let it unfold. But when you're watching a show and somebody says, oh, so-and-so did it, or, oh, this is what's going to happen at the end, that's my husband, right? Mm. So I took the book and I said, okay, I want you to read three quarters of this, and when you get to that point, tell me how it should end, right? (laughs) So uh, he got about 50 pages in, and he said, you know what? Here's the one thing that's bothering me. This relationship between these two people doesn't make sense for this reason. And as soon as he said that, he said, would you consider changing the relationship to this? I went, oh, my God. So he, a light bulb went on. He, I told him to stop reading. I rewrote the whole thing again, and it's where it is today. So I'm much happier with it, much, much happier with it. Thank you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> My wife doesn't uh, read thrillers at all, and that's what I tend to write. So it's uh, okay. kind of fun to uh, – <laughs> she'll look at uh, stuff that uh, doesn't have the thriller parts just to see if the characters work. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? it? It's nice to have fresh eyes, somebody who who has a vested interest in being in, in making you better, you know? It, that's just a good thing. Yeah. Um, True. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about Calexia Press and uh, what Jamie's doing. Because sure. this is sort of um, like the new model, I think, for publishing. It, it really is. Um, and and you know, like like we said, ten years ago, she she never would have done this. Um, n- nobody was doing this. But um, but Jamie Jamie is. Have you met Jamie? Do you guys know Jamie? Oh yeah, yeah. Jamie okay, who? Cool. She, Jamie Frevoletti. Oh yeah, small book. Yeah, great friend. Yeah, she's she's awesome, isn't she? She she is such a go getter, and. Um, Anyway, she she and her husband talked about this, and she decided this is a good time. Uh, she has a couple of books um, in in mind herself that don't fit perfectly in in where the big five would like to to section you, and uh, so she was thinking about this. And I think it took her a couple of years to come up with the with the business plan, and then she asked me if I would uh, give her a manuscript, and I said. Sure, and, and that was just about when I was coming to the to the conclusion that it was time to bring this one out, and I was going to take it out. 
So um, I rewrote it, and and uh, and Jamie said, yeah, she 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 wanted it. So I, I'm very happy. She's got she uh, Calexia did uh, Jamie's Blood Run, and mm-hmm. now they're doing Virtual Sabotage. Uh, Jamie's next book, I'm not positive of what the title is going to be. She's kind of reconsidering the title right now, but uh, are going to be doing. And I believe she has a couple of other authors lined up for the future. But it's it's a slow process because she's learning as she goes too. It's it's it, even though it is a whole new world and there's a lot of opportunity out there. There's also a lot of snags, and and you, and she's learning how to navigate it all. She will. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the writing process in general. Uh, when you mm-hmm. kind of look back over your over your career, and you, and then you just finished Virtual Sabotage. Mm-hmm. When you kind of look back at you know your fans starting from the beginning to the end, how do they think that they were? You know, how do you kind of view yourself as kind of a writer going? You know, what was kind of like like your first book? Like, what were kind of like the weaknesses that you kind of thought it was that you've kind of worked on now to make them like strengths kind of coming out? now in virtual sabotage and your fans kind of see it and they kind of, you know, notice that, you know, like how energized you now are. I gotcha. Uh, that's, a, that's an excellent question. That is such a great question because I sometimes sort of shudder when somebody say, ask what, what, what's your first book? I'm like, don't ask me that. Uh, <laughs> because, yeah, things have changed a lot. I feel as though I just, while I, I believe that, Setting is important, and it, it, it and it's important to be clear and have some good details. I think I maybe went overboard just a little bit, <laughs> and I and I think maybe I did that whole ooh flashback. Let's think back and do backstory. Oh, ouch! Um, I do believe that these days I'm moving things faster. Even even when I cut virtual sabotage, even when I rewrote virtual sabotage and changed the ending. Um, and changed some of the characters. It went from uh, 100,000 words down to something over 80. So it, 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 and I think all that was bloat. Um, I think I've learned how to trim my bloat, and I think I've, I've gotten better at sharpening my characters quickly and learning how to inject characterization while the action's going. And I'm not saying I'm excellent at this by any means. I'm just saying I'm getting better at it. And and I'm and uh-huh. I and I feel better as I'm writing it. I I like I love Sue Grafton's stuff and I'll say this forever. She just does such a wonderful job of characterization while you're you're moving the story forward. Everything needs to move the story forward and she's she's she was just a master at that, in my opinion. Well, I, I have to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, you had you had two series going. Mm-hmm. They wanted you to keep going. That mm-hmm. must have been a really hard step to take to essentially say no. Mm-hmm. And basically, as you said, you're now doing things on spec. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you got to talk <laughs> to me a little bit more about that because it just yeah. I. I, I always think security is a good thing. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's a couple things at work. One is cozy mysteries. They're wonderful. I've enjoyed them. They 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 don't pay particularly well. So um, it, it's not 
while it's definitely a loss of income because this this was regular income that I could depend on, it's it's not so much that I. Uh, fortunately, I'm married to somebody who is able to handle the bills. You know what I mean? So there's that. If if I was on my own, yeah, I probably wouldn't have given up the the security of it. Probably would not have. Okay. But because I have that freedom, and um, and I felt like there were only so many times the chef in the White House could save the world without it getting without jumping the shark, basically. Um, and my my manor house character Grace, I felt as though I'd gotten to her, her to a good place, and I've said as much as I needed to say. It was not as hard to walk away as I thought it would be. I've been itching to just get back into short stories and different sorts of novels for for quite some time, and I, I, I was I was just just itching. So no, it wasn't it wasn't too hard. It the hardest part was actually having to not work with my editor anymore. I really I just love her. She's great, and and work with the people at Berkeley. They're they're just lovely people but i'm i'm weirdly energized and excited so yeah <laughs> but so there wasn't a way you could keep doing that and also do the things on the side as well i probably could have i probably could have i didn't want to i gotcha yeah i wanted to say yeah do or die i i, I you know how it, here's the thing the cozy mystery both both series like I said, they, they, this is like visiting old friends. Writing them was like getting back and sitting down and talking with my old friends and, and retelling the stories that play in my head. And and it, and they were they were fun, but they didn't get me excited. They became more job like, and I wanted something that got my 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 blood going again. If that makes any you, sense. You lost the fun. I totally get. Yes, that. I lost the yeah. fun. And now I'm having fun again. I'm so thrilled that um, I don't have beyond virtual sabotage. I did I purposely because jo- Jamie actually wanted to have a uh, a first refusal, um, and and I said no, I'd really prefer just a one book contract, and that's it. And that's how we have it set for now. Um, and I would like to do that from now on. I would like to do one offs from now on. That w- that would be if if something. Something could change for sure, but right now that's my goal. And I, ha- I have like two or three or four stories already planned, and I want—I can't wait to get to them. You know, so sure—that's—that's—that's that's, that's that's what it is. It's—it is fun again. I jump up in the morning and I'm excited to write. <clears throat> okay, I got a—I got a question for both of you, and this has nothing to do with books. It has something to do because I'm just curious. By we're getting kind of mm-hmm. down to the end of the interview. Has any of you guys watched that new show, Manifest? I have not. I yeah. watched the what first episode. Which one okay. is that? It's the one. It's, do you, you, can you explain it? Because I haven't seen it yet, and I want to know whether or not I should. Um, I have to say it's it's amazing. Uh, the premise is that some people take a flight, and when they land, after going through some really weird turbulence, they land, and it's five and a half years later. After they took off. Ooh, that does sound that does sound really good. Yeah, yeah um, and it's on NBC. The only thing that keeps me from watching, and you know this about me, Jeff. The only thing that keeps me from watching is this: once you find out 
why they took him five and a half years. Is there anything left of the show? My my understanding of this is, and this is why I'm going to sit and watch the others, the mm. characters are so well-defined and so good that um, the mystery becomes secondary. Okay. Hmm. Really? That's, at least that's what people are telling me, yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. kind of like right. Lost? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. They're trying to yeah, do another and then one. Lost, and that's what Lost really was. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they told you right up front. They <laughs> yeah. said, we're yeah. lost. So they didn't know what yeah. the, the writers were basically <laughs> yeah, like, completely we're lost. lost. We don't know what the hell we're doing. We're lost. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what I think they were doing. Um, yeah. But I just didn't know if anybody had seen it because I, I was thinking if I should get into it or not because I don't watch any primetime shows. Um, yeah, I watch me. none. I watch zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I like reruns because I don't I'm like. Not the, I'm not the person it, to talk to. <laughs> yeah, just, just like I watch see, I'm one of those people like blacklist. Oh, you find out the relationship. Yeah, okay, I'm done. I'm out because everything ah. else is just it's just the same kind of bullcrap. Or you know, so mm-hmm. when like heroes, heroes should have been a one season show and then done. You mm-hmm. you, you, you pulled me in by these people. Superpowers don't know each other coming together to save the world from nuclear explosion. Okay, I got that. Well, then you save the world, and then that that yes, that's it. Yes, and then right? it should Just be done. End it. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. So yes. I always get leery when shows ask you a question like, "Why did it take you five and a half years, you know, to mm-hmm. get there?" So mm-hmm. I just get leery when, you know. So I just want to make sure that there's a story after the question's been answered. That's that's. That's good, and if and if it is, yeah. if there is a story beyond that, then it might be worth tuning in. I would agree with you. Right, then it then might be worth yeah. tuning in because I'm sure yeah. you're not going to find out for you know because you're not going to find out for a long time. Why? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and if the show's canceled time. early, you'll never know. Oh, I hate that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but the show's True. actually doing very well in the ratings, so I think good. it'll be around for a while. Good. Well, Julie, I hate to do this, but we're kind of at the end here. So why don't you give everybody your um. Uh, you know, your social media and everything that you got maybe coming up and um, where they can find you. Okay, sounds great. Well, really all you have to know is how to spell Heisey, which is H-Y-Z-Y, which is weird because, yeah, you know, vowelless family. Um, but, uh, yeah, JulieHeisey.com. I'm Julie Heisey on Twitter. I'm Julie Heisey uh, Books on Facebook. And I kind of look at Instagram once in a while, but I kind of forget about it. So, um, but, yeah, you could, if you can spell Heisey, you can find me. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank Julie, you so again, much for having me. This is so much fun. Hey, it's been a pleasure. We love it. Thank you again. Yes, thanks. And, and uh, best, best to both of you. Continue. Well, hey, we'll good you luck soon. with this one. Huh? Continue thanks. success. Thank you yes, so much. Yes, absolutely. All right, here we go. Bye bye. Thanks. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. So, again, everybody, that is author Julie Heisley. And make sure that you get the book, Virtual Sabotage. So go to julieheisey.com for more information, H-Y-Z-Y. We're going to take just a quick 30-second break as we have Jeff Abbott on the line to talk to you about his latest book, The Three Bests. So in the meantime, you can listen to this, and we will be right back with you. Won't you smile a little Get here, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I really had a had a blast working on it. Well, I, I have to ask because um, I know one of the things that happened to you when you were writing this. Um, how are you and your family doing? Uh, we're doing fine. I uh, uh, in 2017 and in, in July, our house was hit by lightning and burned to the ground, and um, that happened 10 days before Blaine came out. And about three weeks before the first best was due to my, I mean, the three best was due to my editor. And uh, so that was kind of a mess. <laughs> As you can imagine, losing losing your home and losing your belongings and still having a book due. Uh, yeah. And I turned in the book, but, you know, that, that, that time right after a loss like that, you're kind of in a daze. And, you know, it wasn't my best work. I wasn't really happy with the book. And so, you know, I just kind of took a deep breath and said, I need to rework this and clear my head out from what has happened with this fire and um, just press on. And I did a massive rewrite of the book. And then I'm I'm much, much happier uh, with how it turned out than what I had originally turned in. Um, uh, So if there are aspiring writers... (laughs) listening to this podcast, and I'm sure that there are, um, uh, it's okay to say you you know that something has fallen short of what you wanted it to be, and take that time and make that effort to make it the book that you want it to be. Um, give, give your idea the, the dignity and the chance to grow, um, and, and, and give, it, give, it a, give it your best shot. Well, but I'm glad everybody's really okay. okay. Well, of course, you know, the, 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 the fire happens right before I was supposed to go on tour for Blame. We are moving back into our rebuilt house in the middle of the tour for the three beds. It's one of the days oh I'm actually God. home. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll only be in the – like two days after we move in, I, I go, I'm gone for four, for four days for signings in Florida and, and Dallas. So – um, that's just how it worked out, and it'll be fine. We don't have that much stuff to move because we lost most of it in the fire. So you know, we haven't replaced a lot of it yet. So, so, so let me guess. So <laughs> your next you standalone is going to be a horror novel? Oh just, yeah, no. Just, thank just you take for, from real life experience what you've been going through. Um, oh, yeah, you know, I I don't think my family is really eager for me to write about the fire yet. I think yeah, that's going to take no. some time. Um, yeah. But um, I get asked constantly if I'm going to write something about it, and I think I will one day um, yeah. when my 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 wife and my kids are ready for me to write that. So uh, I don't usually give them veto power over what I write, but I want them to feel comfortable with the idea of me writing writing about it. So, yeah. um, but that we're all sense. doing well. We're all Good. doing well. My, we're, we're, we're all laughing. My wife is going to have a disco ball in the new house um, in, in her study, an operating rotating disco ball instead of a ceiling fan. So we're going back into our new house with a lot of optimism and, and joy and excitement. Oh, I'm glad cool. to hear that. Um, yeah. But back to back to three best because you said you rewrote it. And I have to say, um, I love this book, and uh, be surprised when you see my review. 
But <laughs> there's a lot of really oh, complex pieces. And I'm wondering, when you did the rewrite, how did you take all those complex details and sort of make it logical with the great payoff? Um, you know, it's weird. I don't think of the books as being complex. I mean, other people certainly think that the, the plots have a lot of twists and turns in them. Um, but to me, it often seems sort of maybe because it's played out in my mind already that it's sort of a straight line for every character on kind of, you know, what their agenda is and what their goal is for themselves. And then, of course, they run into conflict with each other. Um, actually, one of the things that I did um, in, when I did the rewrite was to simplify. I reduced the number of characters. Um, I gave certain characters more to do. You know, if you cut down on the number of characters, that means the actions of the characters you got rid of have to be done by somebody oftentimes. And so that, that makes your remaining, your surviving characters, as I think of it, um, you know, a little more active. Um, I kind of went deeper. At, you know, one thing I had done in the story is that every scene was told from Mariah's viewpoint. And that was just not working. I needed to have scenes from her father's viewpoint. I needed to explore both sides of that relationship of these two people who are trapped in this this sort of quicksand of suspicion and blame. And you needed to see, I needed to show him being a father to her and wanting to protect her from what all he has gone through. And, and her needing to prove his innocence and find an alternate explanation for what had happened to her mother. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that doesn't, it, you know, it, it sounds weird to say that I, how did I handle the complexity was to simplify, but I, 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 I actually did simplify it somewhat from what I had before. So um, that, was, that was kind of, it's just a lot of cutting, you know, it's a, get the red pen out, <laughs> start marking out stuff and saying, you know, does this chapter have a point? Um, yeah, this is not making me sound like a very good writer. I'm being kind of brutal, but yeah, it's like, you know, this is, this is the process that you kind of have to this go through. This is the process because, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's the process. And, you know, Pretty much during every book, I say, oh, this book was a bad idea. Why did I decide to write this book? Uh, uh, uh. And my wife says, I've heard this 20 times now because we have written 20 books. And so she's really underwhelmed with my angst over stuff like this because she's like, been there, done that, you know. So, so the question is, is, so when you get into that kind of, you know that kind of mud as a writer and you're just trying to figure out you know everything trying to get going and you're writing yourself into corners what what's kind of the thing that kind of energizes you to make sure that you like break through that barrier and that you get it right i mean is it the characters is it the plot that you got going on what about it was this the three best that kind of energized you to you know to get it right well i think i mean i i i hope i can answer this question maybe in two parts the first part sure. is, you know, what what energizes me is that my name is going to be on it, and I don't want to be embarrassed, and so I want it to be good, and I want my readers to trust me that I'm going to deliver a top-quality story to them. Um, 
So there's sort of that, you know, that professionalism side comes into it that you don't want it to be a hot mess. The other, but the other thing is, and maybe this is a little bit better answer to what you asked before about the complexity and simplicity. Almost any time that I run into a snafu with a novel, it, you know, it, and at first I might say, well, this is a plot problem. The plot's not working or the pacing is off. It's almost always directly attributable to character. I have not done my homework on a character. I am not understanding why a character has done something, or I'm trying to force a character to do something for the sake of plot that really doesn't work. Um, So that is on me because I've created these people, so I should understand them. But there are, you know, you can go deeper into understanding a character and, and visualizing that character and making that character come alive on the page. So almost every time, this is, this is the thing I have learned after writing a bunch of these books, is when you run into that, that, that roadblock, you run into that wall, go back and look at your characters. Because if you get them right and you understand them, you will get past those obstacles. They'll they'll help you over the obstacles. What a great answer! That's that's, that's great advice. That's a great answer. <laughs> Learned um, by many failures <laughs> <laughs> along the way. Now sometimes well, still I get them go, oh, I have to fix this plot problem. I go, no. Remember what you said when people asked yeah. you about this? No, it's a character <laughs> problem. Go back and look at the characters. Go and back so, and look yeah. at the characters. Go back um, and look at the characters. <laughs> Talk to me about mid- the middle of your books because you know I'm a huge fan, and one of the things I love about your work is. You go along, and uh, about halfway through, you introduce something, and it just sparks the momentum to just carry you through the rest of the book. And you always hear other authors talk about how I'm great at beginnings, I'm great at endings, but the middle I struggle with. You just talked about character-selling problems, but um, what about the middles for you? Middles are hard. I think we're middle, middles are where books die. You know, they're there, and I don't mean like a published book. I mean, but someone starts and they don't finish it because they 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 get lost in the wilderness of the middle. Um, a lot of times, I I think about okay, you've done all this work to set up in the first hundred pages, and then you've got the last you know fifty to seventy five pages that you know where everything comes together. What is it about those? 200 pages, and of course it is the longest part of the book, you know, uh, that you have to get yourself through there. And I think um, at this point I just sort of trust myself that I've done it enough that I will be able to do it again. Um, It is always a challenge um, because you're you're off that sort of the initial gloss of the beginning, um, and you just have to power through it. Um, I I do think that's actually – you know, when people tell me, well, I've started writing a book and I, I'm fiddling with it, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're only 50 pages in or 60 pages and they keep rewriting and rewriting and rewriting those pages, they're avoiding the middle. You know, everyone's afraid of it. It's, it's, it's like that forest in The Princess Bride with the fire and the, and, and the giant rats. 
um, and no one wants to go in there, but you have to go in there. And, and like I said, the characters understand your characters. They will help carry you through that. If they are interesting enough, they are going to be reacting and acting to drive that plot along. And so if, if the plot is dragging, go back and look at the characters. Because they're they're actually you have appointed them to be in charge of that, and so then they are you know then they got to be doing their job. So <laughs> that's, that's I don't awesome. know if that's um, It's just you know you have well, and the other thing I was going to say when I talked about the rewriting, this is why I'm kind of a believer in getting first drafts done, no matter how bad they are, because you can't edit the blank page. You 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 know you can write a really bad middle but you can edit a bad middle into something much better. You know, you can find elements in there that you can strengthen and develop further. And so it's, yeah. True. You, you just have yeah. to keep going on through it. Yeah, I mean, you can't edit words that aren't on the page. You got yeah. There. I mean, I feel like I'm saying, stating these obvious things, but they're, they're not, I mean, I have to be reminded. They're not. That That's why so many authors yeah. make mistakes. Yeah, but even even after all these books, I have to remember that. You know, I have to say, okay, yes, I have to write today. That's the only way to get the book done is the actual writing, you know. Um, it's not like Shoemaker and the Elves. Dog. I'm yeah, sorry? It's not going to just Harry Potter yeah. itself around the page if you think it. So you're going to No, no, no. Yeah. no. Yeah, Shoemaker and the Elves, you wake up and, oh, look at all the stuff that's been written while I was asleep. Yes, <laughs> yes. If that God, happens, we all need elves, don't like, we? Who broke it? Who broke <laughs> in my house and wrote? You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> it was the other a Jeff story I did. Thanks. I'm gonna write that one down. So the word <laughs> elves. See someone coming into your house and writing, you're like, "Who's writing my stuff?" And then you realize it's like <laughs> you actually right. getting up, and you just didn't know it was you. Who knows? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that would be the twist. So. That would be the twist. <laughs> but, um, there you go. Yeah. Well, we just blew it for everybody. <laughs> No, screw it. We already read that book. <laughs> I'm not going to write that story now. <laughs> so Sorry. I got a question about um about like reviews because a lot of it's a lot of issues, of course, of going on. You know, reviews. I mean, you see like all these sites and all these damaging reviews, and people were sock puppeting out there and everything else. Do you ever look at them? I mean, do you really even care like really about the reviews that you kind of get on there, or do you just not even really let it phase you? Should, should I uh, leave for a few minutes, by the way? No, you're good because you're actually a reviewer that people admire. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Okay. <laughs> yes. You're the uh, professional. Wait, do you, do you mean reviews on, on online reviews? Yeah, you know, like on Amazon, you know, like people that like have picked up the book and bought it. I mean, do you I ever like read, just scan I through them and do anything them. like that? No, I never read reviews on Amazon. I okay. stopped doing that years ago. And, you know, um, uh, you and know, I kind of brought that up, too, for another, for just a quick follow-up with you, is because isn't that something that a new author should kind of start learning because they just seem to let it get to them so much? You know what? And I, I feel quite certain there are probably positive and useful things in some Amazon reviews. But, you know, when you see reviews like, um, I didn't like the cover, and they give it one star, or yeah. why does this book cost seven ninety nine and they give it one star? Um, or my favorite 
all-time favorite Amazon review, which Harlan Coben got. Not sure I ordered it. It never arrived. One star. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's Are you like, serious? Someone said, okay. not sure I ordered it, and it never arrived. One star. <laughs> yeah. Something something along those lines. I may be misquoting it slightly, but that was the that was the gist. No, I'm oh, I, I'm sure there are positive things in it, but but yeah, I just generally, I mean, and you know, most reviews that I get, gener- you know, from in the in the press, I might read once or twice, and then not and. You know, sometimes I appreciate everyone who reviews the book, whether it's a good review or a a, a bad review. Um, mm-hmm. There are thousands of books out there, and they took the time to review my book, and I appreciate that. Um, and you know, sometimes in a negative review, you can you can learn something, um, especially if it's a point that multiple people have have brought up. Um, but, you know, it's not like a review at a restaurant where, okay, I hated the meatloaf and the mashed potatoes. There's not a lot, you know, you can tweak the meatloaf recipe. You can't, you can't really tweak the book. The book is the book. So um, I, I, I do think new authors should be cautious about worrying too much about Amazon reviews, Amazon rankings. You know, if you want to have a career go and be working on the next book. Don't be worrying about things like that. You have no control over that. What you have control over is the book that you're working on. So go work on that. Jeff says that all the time. Focus on the writing and write the best book you can. I I think that's... I agree with him. Yeah, Yeah, um, well... You've got a good review coming from me, so you don't have to worry about that. But um, <laughs> oh, well, I appreciate that. I, I, I want to ask um, one of the themes that seems to be throughout your novels is uh, the idea of guilt and innocence, and I'm wondering why that seems to be a recurring theme in your books. Uh, well, <laughs> I think when people are dealing with guilt they're probably assuming that they're dealing with it, that they're grappling with it. They're probably going to show you who they truly are. You know, is this a person who tries to make a bad situation better? Is this a person who puts his or her interests ahead of, of everyone else's to, you know, cover up what's going on? Um, you know, it, it's inherently dramatic when an innocent person is accused. We, you know, we feel that's something that sort of cuts across all societies and cultures, the idea of an innocent person being, you know, wrongly accused. And um, um, I, I think it's just, it just, it always makes for compelling drama. And there's lots of ways that the stories can resolve themselves. Um, I mean, that's not really anything new in, in crime fiction. What 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 you try to do is new is is to introduce you know characters that maybe we haven't seen before or who sort of defy some of the tropes of of the genre uh, or do something different and interesting um, and sort of have a new angle on it. But um, 
Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I don't, I, even the book I'm writing now is probably a little bit concerned with that. Um, I hadn't really thought of that as a theme, but that's definitely been true in Blame and the Three Bests. Yeah, and it works but, very well, and you really get to like the characters for sure. So, oh, oh well, thank you. So you're an author, um, but you know, and I'll just you know, like Harlan Coben, who has kind of a series, but you do standalones also, um, and you know, you you see a lot of authors that are either kind of in the standalone category or kind of just in the series category. How do you kind of feel about standalone and series? I mean, when when you started thinking of like you know, like the book, like the three best. I mean, you knew that it's not going to fit into the series, so it was obvious that you know you wanted to kind of either cleanse yourself or kind of do something different. Is that kind of how you see it, or? What's your thought on those? Well, um, it's, you know, with series and with standalones, uh, the series, uh, I've written three series, and the most recent one being um, centered on Sam Capra, who is a former CIA agent who owns bars around the world. Um, so I can go in any country in the world and go to bars, and it's book research, um, <laughs> uh, which is it's funny. <laughs> But, um, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it depends on the idea. Um, I can have an idea for an interesting character, and it will work in a series. Um, like when I thought about in, in the, the fourth book in the Sam series was Inside Man, which was kind of a, a retelling of King Lear in the modern world with King Lear's family as a crime family. And to me, that seemed like a perfect, you know, set of antagonists for uh, in, in an environment for Sam Capra to enter. And because um, he, he worked on international crime rings uh, when he was with the agency. Um, other times, like the idea with the three bets, you know, immediately it has to be a standalone. It, it, you know, it's just, it's just um, that kind of story. Um, I, I will say there's a lot of pressure now with um, when you see standalone novels being adapted for, you know, eight to ten episode television series on Netflix or on on cable uh, to write a standalone that could possibly have a season two, (laughs) you know, buried in there. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't always work. Um, I'm talking about when you're trying to come up with the idea for the book, you think, okay, could this possibly have some sort of sequel? not to be part of the series, but it could, could it at least have a sequel. And I think in that case, what you have to do is like something that they did with like the center, which on, on USA with Jessica Biel, you know, they adapted that from a German suspense novel. They just centered the second season on characters on a character from the first season rather than try to, you know, continue with the same protagonist um, uh, is my understanding. So yeah, um, you know, it's it, it's hard to say. Uh, I think sometimes publishers go through periods where they prefer series and they prefer a standalone. And I'm I'm pretty flexible on what I write next. I, I you know I I kind of have a really strong idea what the next Sam Capra novel will be. It's figuring out the timing to write it. Um, I think that's the balancing act when you're moving back and forth between series and standalones. Well, I, I have to say I love Sam Capra. I also love Jordan Poteet, which you probably will never do again, and I'm very sad about. But 
<laughs> I, I never say never. Um, I mean, those books were with the different publishers, and they're still in print. But, you know, I if I had the right idea and I wanted to write another one, I I would write another one. It would probably be interesting to revisit him after all this time. And also for me as a writer, just um, uh, the Jordan Poteet series centered on a male librarian in a small East Texas town, and they had a lot of sort of Southern caustic humor um, and and we're definitely sort of in the Southern cozy kind of camp, but um, you know, it's been 20 plus years since I wrote one. It would be interesting for me technically to try to write one now, given what I know, I'm, I'm just no more about writing than I did back in 1996 when the last one was published. Um, so that could be, that could be interesting, but we'll see. All right. Well, <laughs> I'll keep my fingers crossed. Um, you mentioned Netflix and uh, some of the things that they're doing. I'm wondering, do we get to see something of yours in the future in film or TV? Ooh, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, there. Well, uh, there's some stuff I can't talk about right now. Um, oh, something about. going on. <laughs> <laughs> Something's going on. Well, and I was I I I uh, yeah I've I've written one teleplay based on on one of my novels. We'll see if that goes anywhere. I've got um I wrote a short story about um, a robot apocalypse that got optioned uh, by a company that has a development deal with one of the networks. Um, I'm am wanting to adapt Blame uh, for television. I think Blame oh, would be a very Book. Um, yeah. So there are there are a variety of things that are going on, um, but nothing is 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 along to the point I can I can share anything exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I do know, I will. Yeah, well, thank you. Nice. Well, Jeff, I'll tell you what, man, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you again. Uh, always love having you on. So. Can't wait to uh, see what comes up next, but Three Beths comes out October 23rd. So before you leave, why don't you tell everybody, like, your social media website and everything where they can get in touch with you and find out more information. Um, I'm on Twitter under Jeff, at Jeff Abbott, J-E-F-F-A-B-B-O-T-T, Facebook.com slash Jeff Abbott book, all one word. And then my website is www.jeffabbott.com. It has all my tour information. It has pre-order links from all your favorite bookstores for the three bests and has a reading list of all of my books in order. Yeah, it's a great website. I love your layout. Great. We just have to get you to Seattle sometime for a tour soon, okay? Yes, yes, I'd love to come back to Seattle. Um, it was so great to see you when I was up there the last time. So, oh, absolutely, yes. Got to make it happen again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Hey, thanks so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it and enjoy. Congrats on the latest book, The Three Beths, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, guys. Y'all take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again. Bye-bye. So... Everybody, again, that was author Jeff Abbott, and the book is The Three Beths. comes out on October the 23rd. 
So you can pre-order it now. And you can pick it up then. And also, Julie Heisey, make sure that you go out and you grab her book, Virtual Sabotage, comes out same day, October 23rd. So you can kind of do a twofer with one shot and uh, get both books in one thing. Um, great interviews tonight, Jeff. Great show. Oh, two wonderful authors. I love Jeff and love uh, Julie. It's, it's great having them both. Yeah. So uh, I want to kind of do a real quick thing here because I saw Venom. Did you see Venom yet? I have not, but I've heard um, a friend of mine saw it and said that it was uh, in, unintentionally hilarious and campy, and they liked it. Yeah, yeah I am. It was. It was. I thought it was a really good movie. I thought it was good. Um, it was. It was funny in some parts. Tom Hardy. I'm just telling. I mean, Tom Hardy's one of the most. He's not a household name, and he is so freaking terrific at pretty much everything that he acts. But I don't think he's that well-known, like a household name. Like, you know, you don't hear about him a lot. Well, he was um, Bane in the last uh, Batman yep. film. And then he and was, in that he was actually in Star Trek also. He was in Star Trek. And, was, and he was on that TV show, Taboo, I think it was, or something. Oh, shoot. Right. Um, it was that TV series for like 12 episodes where he played um, – uh, oh, Shannon, I watched it. It was called, like, Taboo. Did you see it? It was, like, on Sci-Fi FX or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't watch it. Yeah, it but, okay. I mean, the guy just, yeah, I mean, he plays really good just characters. And he's really good in the movie. And, you know, and it's fun. Um, I wouldn't take any kid under, thir- you know, really under, like, 14 because, I mean, it can get pretty um, gruesome at parts. You know, if people don't know Venom, you know, Venom likes to um, eat live things, and that includes people. So just he beware eats of that. Heads off people, right? Right. So I'm just letting you know, just beware of that. So I wouldn't recommend taking small kids there because, I mean, you know, it could really get scared because you do see him, um, and he's not a good-looking guy. I mean, he's a snake creature pretty much. I mean, that's like a head of a snake and, you know, kind of the way it is. But um, And then you see Riot, um you know, kind of the same kind of creature. So I'm just letting you know, I would just tell, you know, just let parents know that I would, you know, probably go 14, 15, and, you know, you should be okay. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was really fun. It was a fun movie, so I do recommend seeing it. And then the other one, which I don't know if we talked about this or not, did we talk about the house with the clock in its walls? Um, my daughter saw it. And she liked did it. you see it? I did not. Oh, she I, liked thought, it. I thought it was really, I thought it was really good. Oh, cool, okay. Yeah, Shannon. Yeah, I she thought, she you know, liked you a know lot. the premise, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. You know the premise of the story? Um, yeah. I didn't. I never read the books. I didn't even know it was books until I looked up and, see, and saw that it was. Did you read the books when you were younger? I did not, but uh, the guy who wrote the film was a huge fan, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, uh, he does Supernatural and he did Timeless, and then he got to make this movie. So. Yeah, and I think he did a really good job. Um, I think it was started in 1977, I think, was the first book um, in the series. So, yeah, so that was really good. But what movies yeah, have you seen? Yeah, this is why Jack Black is not in the uh, Goosebumps 2 movie for very long. Ah, nice little thing there. I did not, I <laughs> yeah. did not realize that. So what movies have you seen recently? Um, I haven't seen anything recently, unfortunately. Oh really? Yeah. Um, I, I wish I know, could say and, I have, but. And my letter from the editor actually addresses this topic 
because I'm talking about, you know, how Hollywood is kind of, you know, rehashing the same old movies and kind of bringing out the same old movies and, you know, not really anything original and this and that. But, you know, how many, and I just listed ten characters kind of off the top of my head that Hollywood could go in and easily find storylines to make great movies out of them. I mean, I had ten just off the top of my head that have never been done. Could you, I mean, like, who would you think, like, off the top of your head that you would want to see a movie about? I'm not sure. I'm kind of confused by your question. Okay, so who, you know, like, they finally did Jack Reacher. So who have they not done book-wise that they could make into a movie? Oh, see, I think that I think they should do um, a Dirk Pitt right. <laughs> They've tried twice and failed. I think they can right. do that well. Okay, but how about one that they've never even done yet? Um, okay, I'd love to see a Sigma Force book or it turned into a movie. The Jim Ooh, that would be stuff. good. Yeah, that'd be that good. That would be great. Um, I would love to see just because I'm a history buff too. I'd love to see a Steve Barry. I said Cotton Malone. He's on my list. Yep, there you go. Cotton Malone's on yep. my list, along with I had Scott Horvath on there from Brad Thor. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then having, I did. Um, having just done Vince Flynn, though, I don't know. Right, and then, you know what? And I and I remember that. I go, oh, that's right. They just did Matt Rap or Mitch Rap. So I'm like, you know, but I thought I still think Scott Horvath because I still think there's enough room in the in the genre to be able to do it um, and still be able to do it right. And then. Um, one of the other ones I had was, uh, oh, um, God, I'm trying to think. I also had, um, oh, here's one that might surprise you, Dee Dee Warren, Lisa Gardner. Already been done. Yeah, but not in movie, just in TV. Yeah, they did not a movie. It was, uh, not tr- true. True. Um, they did it for uh, TNT. Right. It was TNT movie. That's different. I'm talking big screen Hollywood production, not TV, TNT, because that's when they were oh, doing I'd those events. They were doing what? Those like suspense movies or something that they had like that yes. book series they were doing, and then they dumped it. I thought it was, I don't know mm-hmm. why they dumped it. Well, I have to ask: um, Is your does your list include Caitlin Strong? It does not. Oh, I would love to see a Caitlin Strong film. It does not. TV you know what? I didn't, and you have so many authors in the head. I didn't even think of Caitlin Strong. You know. I listed, um, okay. you know, but I can always change my letter from the editor, so I'm not going to tell you everybody I listed. That way no one will know if I took them out or put them in. <laughs> when does the issue come out? Uh, it's going to come out probably in the next week and a half or so. So be out right around okay, right cool. before Halloween. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, yeah, and then we're and then we're going to start working on our best of issue. So you got to get ready because, you know, we're going to be asking you for nominations of best of again. So. Um, oh, great. Yes, we'll be doing that. So that'll be fun. Because we always love the best of issue. It's one that we always like to do. Well, it's it's great highlighting their favorite books for the year, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a, and it's a good list. And it comes from the fans, and it comes from readers and reviewers and, you know, people that we get. And, you know, so I think we put a good list together. So, yeah, that's always good. And it's good if we can always kind of contact the author and kind of get, like, their thoughts and, you know, what they think and stuff like that, just like a little quote. So we try to get that done. So that takes a lot of work. That's the hardest part is to get the list together and then to try to contact everybody and then get all the stuff back in time to be able to put it in the magazine. You know, <laughs> it takes some time. So that's why we started kind of so early. Um, 
but we do include books that came out like last December because we know that you couldn't have included them in the next in the in the other best of. So if you read a book that was coming out like in December of last year, you can include it in this best of. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, right, because we can't because books in 2018, December 2018, we're, the issue is already going to be out, and those books haven't even been released, so that's why we don't really count them. So, yeah, sometimes we even go into like late November, like if it was around Thanksgiving, and we had already got our responses and everything else, we can be like, okay, well, you probably didn't read that one or something like that. So, yeah, but yeah, man. Well, we got um. So we got next week. So can you give us a little tease on who you might have coming? Well, you already have at the beginning of the episode, but uh, Kevin O'Brien will be with us next week. Right. And, um, but who's the other little tease, little hint? I don't even know. Um, it's a person who is usually associated writing with another author, and he's done a solo book. Oh, and, okay. Uh, so somebody who might have wrote with, like, James Patterson is now solo. Um. Well, I'm not saying it is uh, James Patterson. I'm just saying like that. No, no, no. No, yeah, like that. Yes. Yeah, and, that, yeah. Uh, like in that vein. They're known for something extremely popular and a lot of fun, and it would be oh, cool. really cool to talk to this person. So hopefully we can get it worked out. Nice, nice. Can you give us a genre? Is it or no? Is that too much? Uh boy. It, honestly, um, if I tried to classify it as a genre, I wouldn't be able to do it. Standalone that or for, um, It's a this series. Uh, there's two. They've written two books, and they also, but they're known for something that's not a book, primarily. How's that for oh, a tease? Okay. Oh, that's a good tease. So known for something other than a book. Yep. So that's a good tease. Nice. Nice, nice. nice. Yeah. So. Um, oh, and did you hear the news today that? Did you hear the bad news today that's spreading out all over social media and emails that I've gotten? What What is that? Uh, Midnight Inc. is closing. Oh, I didn't hear this. Yeah, I guess the mother – somebody – one of the authors had sent out and saying the mothership, Llewellyn, I guess the company that owns Midnight Inc., is getting rid of their – is getting rid of them. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's their mystery uh, thriller imprint, and uh, – we have a and lot they're, of they're friends who write for that. Yeah, so um, we're so we're telling authors that are in that position to contact Suspense Publishing and see if we can help to get to get their stuff or do whatever they need to do. So they okay. can contact us. They can email us at editor at suspensemagazine.com. If they didn't know that we had a publishing company, we do. So, um uh, yeah, I'll have uh, there's someone I know in particular who's uh, who lives in Seattle. Yeah. I will have them contact you. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That was sad news today. Um, a couple of our authors sent us emails that we saw, and then we went on Facebook and we started seeing, and it was like, yeah. So that's what I, I why I do not know. I mean, I guess it's always money. Probably, I guess. I mean, everything's always about money. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Huh. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, I'm not finding anything on at least where I'm looking. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll have to send you over the. I mean, um, are you, are you on Facebook? Yeah. Um, I would say I would 
uh, I don't want to say the lady's name on the air because she might not want her name out there on the air. I'll tell you off the air, and then you can go search on her name, and you'll see her story on her post. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, man, well, so we'll see you next week. And then on the 30th, um, we will have – Then we're off for three. Right. So the so we'll be on the 23rd with um, Kevin and the mystery author. And then the 30th we have – we're not we're we're not coming back till the thirteenth of November after next week. Oh, that's right. It's just next week and then we're back on the thirteenth of November. Okay. That's, that's the three right. weeks off. And that's with John yes. Land on Murder She Wrote Night. That is correct. Well he's gonna be talking about the next one which is manuscript for murder. So we talk about that. Absolutely. So, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right then, man. I will talk with you later and it's always been a pleasure and always had fun, so you stay safe and say hi to the family. All right, you do the same and uh keep reading everybody. Keep reading. See you later.